Welcome, everybody. You've got the cardboard coaches here with your boy, Coach Co. Have no fear. The cartel is here in all his glory and in his chiaroscuro ever since uh, Coach Co and I have started recording at this particular time of day. I always find myself kind of halfway uh, in the sunlight in my quote-unquote studio. So uh, I hope people appreciate the uh, the chiaroscuro that I, think I find that, myself. I think it speaks volumes to kind of like where you're at in the hobby right now. <laughs> the we'll talk a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk a little bit about that after. Um, team, what we want to talk about first are some news, some news articles, news items from the week. Uh, something came out recently about the break-in from the Panini headquarters located in Irving, Texas. For some reason, when I when I first read it, I thought of Irvine, but that's Irvine is California, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there you go. So Irving, Texas, uh, their head office was hit... Mm, I want to say end of May, so like May 26-ish. So about a month ago, and after the police reports and all the filings and all that jazz, they have come out with what they had taken from them. And ironically enough, it had very little to do with sports cards, apparently. Most of the stuff that was taken from the Panini head office, allegedly, based on an article from Sports Collectors Daily on Twitter, was equipment uh, pertaining to, it was like mainly data. So a lot of uh, data storage devices. And when I heard this, uh, I initially thought like, what am I supposed to do? You know, like, do I change? Because I'm pretty sure I have a Panini password because way back when, when we tried to order product in 2021 and and such, and there was a a race to beat the bots. um, Right. You know, I think I created a Panini account. So if my first thought in my head was, was what do I have to do? And my second thought was, what are these thieves who broke into a, I don't know, a pretty big head office, uh, pretty well-known head office, a pretty significant head office. What do they, why do they risk all of that to take these hard drives? And I'm going to leave the floor open to you so that you can speculate and then I can speculate. And then hopefully throughout the course of this conversation and, and with your help, you, the viewer and listener, we can get to the bottom of this and we'll have perhaps get some ideas on the table. Oh, well, uh, I'm under the assumption that we're just supposed to pretend that this wasn't some kind of inside job and that the timing of when this happened in relation to some <laughs> other controversies, <laughs> was just convenient so we'll just kind of take it from that angle i guess for to make things easy but uh i mean first of all i've got news for everyone listening to us right now your information is compromised um and it's funny like the you know the advice that you get i certainly don't take it we probably all should but you should constantly be changing your passwords i i don't change my path i'm a sitting duck I really am a sitting duck, uh, Coach Co. And you know your 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 information has been compromised a million times over in all sorts of different websites and all sorts of different cyber attacks. 
if it's information, it's usually related to a cyber attack, not a physical break-in, which is kind of weird. Yeah. But again, like like I said to start this, the whole thing is kind of weird, the timing and what we're expected to believe here from a company that provides so little customer support that sells such expensive niche product. It's kind of unheard of. I mean, you know, I, I was always under the assumption that the more specific a kind of product is an expensive demands a higher degree of customer attention and service for for you know retaining the customer but when you have people hooked and willing to accept stupid things i guess you don't have to do that i mean what we you know we'll never forget that period of time where tops did not even have any available customer service i mean Uh, psa psas is still not great to be honest yeah, to this day, that uh, listen, I mean, you want to rehash? Uh, I I still have that package that got returned to me. It's on my list of things to. I just I it's going to be so painful for me to revisit that and ask them, you know, and demand a credit for the money that they basically stole from me. But anyway, um, this this Panini break in, yeah, I don't know. I I guess people were waiting to hear about like some cards were stolen. Yeah, I mean, remember, I think so. There is a very expensive card that someone put in a redemption for that was out. Was there ever an update on that? that several. There was several. There was at least I, two I that, know, that people them. had open redemption cases for that appeared online years later. I mean, recently, but like so, years so, after they had been redeemed and they were still unfulfilled on the website. And, you know, maybe two or three days later, there's a break in and, I, I, you know, suddenly a bunch of stuff is missing. They don't quite know what cards are missing, but they do know that a ton of information is missing. If there's information and data missing, then it's like, well, we no longer have the information as to what happened to that card. And that's just a a convenient out. I mean, that's the angle I'm taking. And that's the angle I want to take because I am not a fan of Panini in any way, shape or form. Um, I thought about it the other day and it's just like, it's really the UFC stuff where they see any of my dollars at the end of the day. Um, You know, and would it be any different if it was tops? Would I be excited about that? Not really. But I thought I thought about this the other day as well. Like I, I really I do not support them. The only time I buy their old stuff, like I buy old Panini stickers. Yeah. Um, but like they're not really making money off that anymore because that's a secondary market. Right. Yeah. But I, I, mean, I it just was such a big deal when we were younger. Like I really stickers. even the, the soccer stuff, like I buy tops. And and it's mainly because I think that Panini stuff is overpriced and and pretty hyped up. And generally speaking, the quality control is actually worse. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, why would I spend more money on something that is worse quality and, uh, I don't know, just overall inflated? In my opinion, again, like, I mean, there's plenty of people that will go up to bat and die on the hill of Panini when it comes to basketball and football. Uh, and two markets that I'm really not very present in when it comes to ultra modern, uh, but those are that's because those are the two most inflated markets in in the pandemic, right? During the pandemic times and and after, they, those are the two markets that saw the biggest bump ups in prices and and the biggest, uh, you know, increases in in price for those products. Even I think that was the biggest thing for me. It's not like I don't like watching basketball and football. It's that. I like watching basketball and football, but I don't like collecting ultra modern football and basketball to the tune of like a 
four or five times the price of of product for upper deck or for tops truthfully uh depending on the tops product of course but it just i feel like a lot of people get priced out and and because of that i'm quite sour when they don't deliver um and and i just can't i can't you know this is this is just the nail in the coffin for me like it's like they're walking themselves to to be shot I'm I'm quite sour when I have to watch people open products that say one autograph on average and they yeah, don't I know. Open an autograph. You know, I'm I'm sour when someone new to the hobby goes through that. I'm sour when a, a, a kid uh has their father purchase them and happy Father's Day today, by the way, to the fathers out there, you know, has his father buy him a, a twenty dollar pack of cards, thirty dollar pack of cards, forty dollar pack of cards, and everything's off center and horrible. That makes me sour for sure. Um, and that's going on on a daily basis. Look, I'm not an expert on cybercrime. I don't think either one of us are. And that concept that your data is extremely valuable because it can be sold out and harnessed by a variety of different outlets from the, just a simple annoying thing, like people who are going to call you to make sales pitches or try to defraud you all the way to your information being used uh, for, for, you know, for, for some other scam or, or fraud with your information, your credit card information, your, your, your personal information. And we're talking about the fact that Panini probably has on file, you know, wholesalers, retailers, right? Yeah. So that was a big thing for me is like, I think if they were going to use anyone's information um, to their advantage, they being the people who broke in, I honestly think that they would definitely target the wholesalers and the the like the the retailers. Mm. Um, you know, maybe intercept a shipment or like something of that nature. Do you know what I mean? Like a big time, like yeah. Uh, I was also thinking like maybe there's information on those computers as to like where the hits are, because I mean, if you go back to our conversation with with or my conversation with Billy Celio or Celio rather at Upper Deck. I mean, he was pretty adamant that that they're gonna know where that one of one Bedard is. Like, not maybe not to the tune of the box, but he said flat out that there's no way that that one of one Bedard is gonna be in a in a retail product. There's no way that it's gonna be an EPAC, which means that they know it's going to be in a hobby box. And so, right. I mean, I don't think it's a it's a stretch to think that they might actually know which box. That, yeah, that. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure you, know, you might even be able to, if you ask the right people, ask the right questions, go to the right places. I mean, I'm, I might be able to find those answers at a spot like Polax. But anyway, um, yeah, potentially there could be some information, some proprietary information. I don't know. And even then, is it like worth the time to look? The whole thing sounds very fishy to me in general. Um. I, I don't know what to say beyond that. And the timing was wild that, you know, we suddenly veered off course from the fact that there was this really concerning, terrible thing. We just don't want to have, I don't know why we don't want to go in depth on these conversations. I know we're not, we're not necessarily going to find an answer or anything like that, but if the, if a product is released, it's price point, it's demand is all revolving around the hits and the specific things that you can, get from the product and you, if you never even had a chance to get that 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 hit or that that um the prize so to speak that's fraud it's massive in its scale there must be 
civil litigation. There must be like, you know, uh, mass filings of lawsuits and it just goes on and uh, we accept it. And uh, I think it makes us uncomfortable because it's these things that pull that pull back the curtain and make us realize that this important thing in our lives that we enjoy, but that we also can profit off of potentially make good businesses out of would be uh, compromised. Like everyone's got a limit. We have our good close friend um, that's been on the show before who's finally had enough of Beckett, for example. Yeah. And I know that like that was a very simple story post that he made on Instagram. If people want the details of what I'm talking about without getting into specifics of who this was, it's just a gentleman who's a very big vendor in our hobby, well-liked, well-respected, good at what he does. He liked to use Beckett services like many of us in Canada did. It was very popular in the hockey sector of the hobby. Even when he heard my stories, even when he saw things happening to other people, remember until the, until it, until it hits home, until the, the chicken comes home to roost, I still don't know if the chicken roosts, uh, coach co, but when the chicken comes home and lays an egg or roosts, then, 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 then it really hits you. And you know, so for, for this friend of ours that I'm talking about, it, it really reached a boiling point with him. And he didn't want to have certain conversations that the cartel was willing to have. For example, the fact that why are these Beckett representatives scouring the floor of the expo, buying high-end BGS 9s? Golly gee whiz, I wonder. Or, or high-end PSA 9s. I wonder what's going to happen to those cards. I wonder if population reports are going to be adjusted. I wonder if those cards are going to find a new home and a new slab with perhaps a gold or a black label attached to it. And I understand that that push and pull, you don't want to have that conversation because it's damaging to the whole thing we've got going on here. But everyone's got a limit and we have to have these convos. And, you know, Panini, I mean, look, I can only imagine for someone that's all up in the world of football and basketball, which is not our thing, um, you know, we're hockey, hockey, hockey with our other side passions, UFC, soccer, for example. A little bit of baseball sprinkled in there, you know? That's the, the cardboard coaches love the best ball. Yeah. The best ball been very, very good to us. But, you know, Panini behaving the way it does, these things happening, the discussions hurt the whole thing. It would be really nice if we could just have positive discussions about what these companies do. Um, and not, and then, you know, and then the next thing, you know, card porn shows up and says, you're all complaining. My God, you were the hub. You were the complaint department during the pandemic card porn. You were the, 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 the department that we would drop off our complaints. And now all of a sudden they're telling, they're telling people that, look, there's so much negativity going on here. That's not negativity. That's reporting on what is actually happening to us. That's also giving a word of warning to people already already in this or, or still coming into it. That's still happening. We mentioned this before we went 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 on our on, on to record, Coach Go, is that there are still new entrants logging in um, out of uh, you know nostalgia or because. They really got into a sport or they just found out it all it takes is one friend in the locker room to talk to you about cards. And then it all takes is a spark in your head saying, I used to collect cards when I was younger. Let me check out what's going on right now. Oh, there's some exciting elements here. Oh, maybe, maybe I have some expendable income. 
So I'm going to start getting into it. And the company producing all these popular sports, football, basketball, and now these niche sports uh, like, like soccer and UFC and wrestling are going to get their business. And they're going to get a taste of what's going on here. And it's not negativity when they say, well, these cards are cut really weird. And there's a piece of cardboard missing in this card I just took out of the pack. And it was really expensive. Um, you know, I, 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 I recall now that gentleman, remember that gentleman who called and complained, he, he bought a box of football cards and he said there were like pieces of cards inside and he didn't get his autograph and he was very upset. That puts retailers in a very, uh, by the way, uncomfortable position because you 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 were the deliverer yep. of those goods yeah it doesn't dawn on them look it's it's panini and you got to talk to them well okay how do i talk to them well it's difficult here's uh, their phone number and their email well they're not responding and like also like you have to i mean we talked about this before it's like almost like automated now where you have to record yourself opening stuff and like I mean, that's yeah, sh- like that a- shouldn't have to that's sh- we shouldn't have to be here you know what i mean we're like in order to prove that you didn't get what you got or what you should have gotten, like you have to record and, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's a very interesting space right now. I will say that. And again, like, I'm not, I'm not saying like tops is the best, but I mean, another thing I wanted to talk about was the, the, the partnership that tops has with Luke, the cardist. So Luke, the cardist creates card art and is a, member of our wonderful community much like yes yes uh, I, I i'm sorry to interrupt no, you go, go for it cardboard for coaches it. have long been uh supporters of this particular area of creativity. oh yeah Bobby oh B. yeah one of our earliest episodes uh donnie b donnie b collectibles donnie right? b yeah and i own many of his pieces i own many pieces from several of the card artists so yeah we, we are big on this and we appreciate the artistry and the creativity that's involved. I just kind of want to preface what we're going to talk about. No, I'm glad you, I'm glad you did. And shout out to all of the cardists out there, card artists out there. Uh, But it was, I I know, I know, but it was, it was very interesting to see tops head in this direction. I remember when they initially announced it, I was super excited because, you know, it's not like they're just commissioning like an artist to create this. Like they're, they're commissioning an artist in the community who knows cards and I think that was such a cool element for for me, because you know a lot of these these card artists they create pieces and they're not licensed, of course, right? Like they're they're their own masterpieces and and they're beautiful, but you know you can't get them graded, like you know. And again, like you don't have to get things graded, but you know, in line with all of the things that people do now, it it would be nice to get some of these as official. And and as of Tops Series Two, twenty twenty three. Uh, Luke the Cardist has several pieces in there, and and a few of them actually surfaced over the last week, mainly because 2023 has just come out, or Series 2 has just come out. And uh, one in particular, the Adley Rutschmund, uh, I think is a co- very cool piece. It's very aligned with with his style of card art. Um, and I, and I, I, it's going to be very interesting to see where this card, it's a one-of-one, it's autographed on the back by Luke the Cardist. Um, it's gonna be very interesting to see where this card goes if it were to hit auction. And I guess what I wanted to go, I mean, obviously, 
I, I, I hate speculating prices, so we're not going to do that because that's not really what we do on the show. But what we are going to do is talk about how the creativity of some of these companies when it comes to their inserts and you know okay. sourcing out perhaps members of the community to grow this thing even even greater, uh, I think is as another good stride from tops. Yeah. The, the one thing that I'm seeing with tops is responsiveness at the very least. Like the fact that, I mean, I think word got out to them that people weren't appreciating the lack of parallels and hits in the hobby boxes of series one. And I've already seen that series two is very different. Um, I've seen boxes just, you know, bursting with numbered parallels for the hobby boxes, right? Not just the jumbos, which you already expect that from. And I'm seeing, I, I mean, again, this could just be anecdotal, I mean, I'm seeing a lot more autographs getting hit as well in the hobby box. It's the vast majority of them are going to be, you know, jerseys as opposed to the, it's going to be the relic instead the of the relic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saw that a lot with 2022 Tops Update, which was a popular series that disappeared from stores pretty quickly. And I, I don't remember ever seeing an autograph come out of those. So they are responsive. They do seem to be paying attention. We saw the big league, um, uh the influencer cards yep uh we could talk till the end of the day about the selection of influencers that they went with and that sort of thing but whatever the the the, the idea is still there that they're paying attention to the degree and now we've got them almost late like i i gotta say card art was having its time in the sun during the lockdown that would have been a better time to kind of pop on it it's a bit late right now in the game but uh could it could you know it could uh, unleash a wave again yeah but um, it doesn't even have to be like a wave for instance like it, yeah. it could just it could just be like a norm now where they start outsourcing some of their inserts their one of one parallels or you know they just give a, a popular card artist mm-hmm. the, the chance to produce some cards for a set and i think that that would go so far in in this community that that I mean, it really is a community, right? Like, I know we talk about the hobby and the hobby has so many different elements, but at the end of the day, I like to think that everyone supports each other, especially like people who create card art. I mean, I, I can't imagine a person that wouldn't want something like that in in their product. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, hold on. I mean, well, that's. One second here. It does beg the question. Um, I almost wonder, do we have to take the card art kind of idea and concept and integrate it into an official release, especially one like Series 2? Because you notice they chose the big league, which is kind of um, kind of an introductory, very affordable, yeah, off the, the base type set um, that was kind of geared towards kids to a degree. Mm-hmm. But this is series two we're talking about, right? Or was it series one that the the, the that no series the series two series two? Um, and I'm not saying that in any sort of like negative way, but there will be a group of people that are not interested in this, and so this leads me to the concept of the sketch cards. Now you'll you'll recall the cartel uh, was lucky enough to be the recipient of one of these one of one sketch cards. I fell in love with the one that I had while I while I owned it because it was a very nice sketch of Shohei Otani signed by the artist. Now, 
again, it, it got me to do a couple things. Number one, I looked into the artist. I wanted to know more about the person who created this item, this collectible that I now had. Uh, I gave him a shout on my page. I, I ended up, like I heard from enemies, I heard from the, the gentleman who did not have a big social media presence. And he even said that to me. He's like, by the way, I don't really check this very often. So sorry if I'm not responsive. And it's, it was kind of underwhelming. Like, okay, so this random artist created this really cool sketch of Shohei. I have friends who could create a really cool sketch of Shohei. Is that the hit that I want to be receiving? They could say it's one in a million packs. That's fine. But at the end of the day, it was very difficult to move. It was not something I wanted to hold long term. I showed it off. People appreciated it. The post got a lot of attention. I I ended up moving that for a cup patch rookie of, of a hockey player. Um, it was very difficult to move. Yeah, but all all niche items are are hard to move though. Because it's you know because it's not everyone's cup of tea. So what I'm trying to say is like if someone wants art by Donnie B or Luke the Cardist or the Card Carver or all these different guys, uh you go onto their website or their social media and you can acquire these products. Do we want it integrated in the way that it's been integrated into a tops product? That's that's a whole other conversation because again. We know the type of hits people are looking for when they're buying product. They want parallels. They want autographs. They want to get a little closer to the game. You're not really getting closer to the game per se, when you're receiving a, a piece of art that someone has created. Cool. And, uh, and unfortunately some people don't have the same appreciation uh, as others. So I'll share a story with you that someone asked me earlier today, actually. Yes. They talked about, a Julio Rodriguez card uh, that they owned. It's a high tech. I, I assume it's a rookie because I think that's all he has out right now. But it's a high tech, I guess, rookie insert number to fifteen. It's a graded SGC nine point five, and the gentleman was asking four hundred, and he asked me why can't I sell this card? It's number to it's number to fifteen. Julio Rodriguez insert rookie, you know, SGC nine point five, and. I mean, what I had to tell them was that basically there are too many parallels and too many numbered cards. And I, what's why someone choosing that card, your specific card, number to 15, uh, insert rookie SGC 95. There's so many elements that go into like why someone selects a card, right? But why are they selecting your specific card, number to 15, Julio Rodriguez, rookie? insert SGC 9.5, right? And, and and the reason why I shared that is because you mentioned how difficult it would it was to move that Shoei Otani one-of-one, uh, you know, the, the stock card. Um, I, I think that it depends on, like, do people just want liquid items? Like, is that, like, all anyone, they just want, like, base number, or not, like, just uh, base numbered stuff? Like, uh, because if, if that's true, then like we're eliminating like a whole set of like uh very niche. I mean, like even Fanimation, I, I find are tough to sell. Like yeah. the fan, Fanimation inserts for Upper Deck, and like those are gorgeous yeah. inserts. And if you find the right person, you can sell a Fanimation pretty quickly. But I see a lot of people have Fanimation sit online uh, on on eBay for months and months and months and months and months. And because they are quite niche and, and because they're quite niche, people don't really know much about them and there's not a ton of uh, information on them. You know, they're 
beyond case hits, right? So I think yeah. my point in telling that story is to, you know, like, what is it? What do people want? Do they want, they want unique or do they want like just liquid? Do they want just, they, do they want to know how much something costs? Is that it? Well, you, you hit the nail on the head right off the bat with the fact that like when you, you take a player, Julio Rodriguez, there's so many rookies. There's you, tops went out of its way to produce a ridiculous and disturbing amount of product in 2022 to capitalize on a, a great rookie crop. Let's remember it began with Wander and it ended with Julio and Bobby. Mm -hmm. And there's just so much to choose from. And there are some accepted standards. We talked about the standards of hockey, young guns, future watch cup RPAs in baseball. And again, I don't know as much, and I'm not going to speak as confidently as I do when it comes to the hockey market, but for example, a gold base, which at this point is numbered to 2023, yes. right? Number to the year, the gold base is a very accepted, it's almost like the currency of the player in question. So people will run to that, and, and regardless of value, right? Like maybe something out of 15 out of high tech should technically be worth more than a card that's numbered to 2023. There, that, there's enough of them. But, you know, my heart gets racing when I see a, a gold base Julio, as opposed to a high tech Julio or a, uh, you know, Bowman, Sterling, you know, dual refractor, die cut, stupidity. So that that makes sense that people are discovering that. And that's that's another, by the way, that's another thing for new collectors yeah. to get smacked in the face by. Yeah. Is I was told this was a hot prospect. I was told his stuff was liquid and I could move it. I have this, you know, tops gilded whatever it is and no one wants it right because they missed that initial part of that education which is that people want the gold they want the sp they want the black border uh they want the chrome refractor maybe not as much as back in the day actually they want the chrome parallels the independence days you know but, but wait a minute they want the chrome parallels, but they don't want the chrome wave parallels. Yeah. They don't or want they, the chrome base color. They parallel. don't want green or purple either. And you know, like green <laughs> is a bad color because, you know, it, it indicates toxicity or something. Green I don't know, and but, purple. Maybe that maybe it is toxicity because they don't like green or purple, really. I mean, I, I like purple. But anyway, like, again, because who's got that purple, that purple, that purple? And anyway, the point is, it, even in these subsections, there, there are, you know, and that, and by the way, that's the realm of the collector. Collectors are weird. They're picky. They're, uh, they're very specific. And some people fail to see that base, that what we're doing here in, a, in as much as it is a business and in as much as it, it, it is a financial pursuit. Uh, you're at a huge disadvantage if you don't have the mind of a collector, or if you don't understand the mind of a collector. It's a huge advantage when you have that. The gentleman we were talking about earlier, I mean, I, you know, Josh knows who he is. He knows, he knows we're talking about him. 
came from like a family of collectors that that's all that's all he's known and antiquers and you know what i mean like they just does that give him an advantage when he's out there sourcing product definitely definitely. cards you better believe it well because he knows he knows what will sell and what won't right because like that's an element with the collectors that's an element right like this like for instance this high-tech number to 15 like even though it's number to 15 if you acquire this like who are you selling it to who's the end consumer how many people are going to be buyers on this thing Right. And that's a huge element of, of the hobby that people don't really, some people just don't get right. Like it might be low numbered, but who's buying this? Do you know what I mean? Like investors, when the investors and, and the uh, flippers dry up, you're left with the collectors and you have to ask yourself, what are they going to want? Hence, you know, the cartel has veered heavy into the lane of very unique items in the hockey market. Because the hockey market is always strong with collectors, and they're, they 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 appreciate certain rarities or things off of the beaten path, right? And we were, we've already talked to death about the high population young guns. But that's, that's how you started collecting, collectors. though. That's how you started. Yeah, that's how you collected before the pandemic. You know what I yeah. mean? Like yeah, you yeah. collected. Like I I remember. I distinctly remember that you had like the some of the craziest patch cup cards i've seen you know what i mean like yeah, and that was like a big thing for you for like yeah yeah i know i know you were specifically looking for like three color four color unique patches and like logo patches and and that was something that i had never heard of at that time because mm-hmm. i mean and 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 there weren't really like comps for these types of things right like and i mean that you were like no like they, uh, you know gorgeous patches sell better than than normal patches and it makes sense but like finding the right person to buy that patch is uh is well i mean it's also it's work right so i guess guess what it comes down to is figuring out what kind of work you want because that person owning that number to 15 high-tech bowman or uh whatever regardless number to 15 high-tech he could find the right person theoretically it just comes down to how patient do you want to be how Mm. much I mean, maybe you're just asking for too much money. Uh, like, do you know other people That's in this space? Right now. You know, yeah. Do you know other people in this space in that space that are selling similar cards for those prices? If so, then you know, like maybe, maybe try and you know, like when do you want to sell this thing? Because sometimes if you own something and you know all about this because you have a lot of inventory, sometimes if you own something and you're not given the price that you think it's worth, I mean the only solution is to hold it until someone comes by and appreciates it as much as you know it it's meant to be appreciated and then you let it go and that's right? exactly what would happen to a card like that the, right when question is uh you either are okay holding it and it makes sense in the grand scheme of whatever it is you're doing because everybody seems to be doing different things and in, in in different in different modes but or you you know, you could say to yourself, here's what it cost me. And if I can at least make a little bit, even though it's less than what I think it should be going for, let me let it go and either put it in something else or put it into a bill you need to pay. I mean, there's a lot of that going on right now. Um, but yeah, just in general, I mean, it, it is something I've noticed lately is, uh, you know, I just got, I got back from us the Sunday St. Lawrence market and people that have things that are remotely interesting because there's a lot of stuff that isn't, they want a lot for it. And I, I just don't see as much money changing hands and transactions being made. I see a lot of, lot of talking, a lot of looking, 
but uh, that's that's a personal decision for each person in terms of what to do with their quote-unquote collection or inventory for some people it's both i remind people for some people it is both right but uh it is a very real thing right now that there's just so much product and you know why is my caprizov exquisite card not as in demand or why is my cup you know uh horizontal not as much as my vertical why is this subset you know you know how often why I is why thing. is my cup less liquid than my future watch or like why, why is, is auto quad foundations card why is that not worth as much as the 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 cup rpa rookie i don't get it and you hear that a lot let's address and the elephant in the room experience. let's address okay. the elephant in the room are, are we in in a junk card era are there 2.0 you know is is this is this junk wax is this i mean not saying everything but i mean if you go into a walmart if you go into a shoppers if you go into a target if you go into yep. a walgreens if you go into a lids you're going to find product everywhere I, yeah. I, I'd be hard-pressed to find a place that didn't have product on the shelves right now. Uh, there's a lot of collectors I'm talking to. I, mean, I wouldn't say... There's a lot of people in the hobby that I'm talking to that are kind of tapped out. Not necessarily financially, but maybe financially. Um, so but just kind of... You know, they're not really down to rip anymore. And I feel like once people stop ripping, then then things really start to kind of slide back a little bit, right? So, I mean, but where are we at? There, there are still massive operations like Backyard Breaks that are providing a lot of ripping. For sure. Product is getting... But it, what it, kind of product are they ripping, though? Are they, They're not ripping everyday product that you find on shelves, truthfully. Yeah. Right? Um. Yeah. I mean, it. look, it is to a degree a junk wax and junk slab era. Let's not forget. Um, there's a lot of people getting rude awakenings from when they received their PSA orders back that started, you know, bumping up again, say a year ago, and they're getting them back and they're finding people don't really care about their, their slabs or the pricing they were familiar with beforehand that got them the initiative to send in the cards. Those prices have already come down so much and, and eroded. So you get your PSA 10 Panarin back, you know, PSA 10 Panarin Young Guns, and you find you can't even get a hundred bucks for it. Dude, I saw that the other day. I got a nine, I got a nine back and I was like, what? And yeah, you realize, and, and not only do you find the prices, um, you know, ha have come, have come down, but then the next step is you say, okay, I can't even get a hundred dollars for this Panarin. And then you look at the price of the McDavid. Yeah. And you're like, what do I want to do with this like, card, right? Like, how does this make sense as a yes. multiplier? Yes, I agree. They're from the same set. I agree. They have a similar pop. Neither one of them... Wait a minute. Has Panarin won a cup? Yes, he has. And McDavid hasn't. So, logic. by the way, trying to apply logic to a lot of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, I know. Bad move. I know, there is I no know. logic. Even Jack Eichel has a cup, and his stuff really hasn't... I mean, his stuff hasn't gone up very much. $250? $250, $300, I think. So now you have a choice. You can buy a Matty Beneers or a Kaprizov or an Eichel. I mean, you know, and and again, so to you and I, we, okay, it, it sucks to see this and it is what it is, but we're not shocked by it. We get, we kind of get it. 
we're used to this lack of logic someone new is really going to have a tough time wrapping their head around this. They but really does that stuff to. slide back like everything else does? That's I think that's my biggest question, right? Is like, does the like super ultra modern stuff slide back? Because the, the stuff that's like the modern stuff, so let's say like 2015, 2016, 2017, has kind of slid back. Not kind of slid back. No, it slid back. I think it especially does if people it slid really back. start smartening up and saying, you know what, I'm going to pursue some high-end OPG, like high-grade OPG. I mean, I, I've been doing this for a little while. And the problem was I was also doing it when the market was at an artificial high for everything across yeah. the board. So I yeah. actually got hurt a little bit. But I was doing it before and I'm still doing it after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not stopped. No one's stopping me from picking up PSA 9s of a, of a Ron Francis or Doug Gilmore. Yeah, those, yeah, are yeah. Still, those are still tremendous buys right now. Yeah. Without the cardboard coaches being some sort of like source for telling you what to buy. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm no, no, no. Unbiased. I'm telling you, those are tremendous buys right now. And if a lot of people are waking up to that, and they're like, you know, I want to pursue a Wendell Clark PSA nine card instead of the latest uh, Cole Caulfield. That's that's also going to hurt the modern market because they want to put their money into that, and they suddenly have more appreciation for that. And I am seeing a little bit of that, but you know that there's this the tie in with the excitement of new stuff. The excitement of prospecting. Prospecting is baked into the hobby. We we all love it. It's of course. Part, of course. It's a popular part of the hobby. But I'm saying with the increase in, in production, right? With the increase in production and these cards pretty much being all over the place. Uh, add into that the fact that like there's going to be another, there's going to be a new hot thing next year, right? And the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that. I mean, we've seen even with accolades. I mean, these prices don't move very much, man. Like... Yep. Like I said, yeah. Jack Eichel accolade doesn't really move very much. Panarin yeah. cup didn't really move very much, right? Like Panarin's almost, he's well over a point a game for his career. I think he's like 1.3 points per game plays in New York, which is one of the biggest sports markets in the world. The Rangers yeah. are a big deal in New York and his prices are still rock bottom prices. Yeah. And with the one thing that I forgot to mention in the last pod, it's trying to be, like as as a as a part of trying to be positive, there are some big names coming up in several sports that will be driving the hobby. It will be po- it will be good. I agree. Like, I agree with you. Bedard, Connor Bedard among I, them, and Wemby. Yeah. But then you know all that money going towards Bedard. It's not going to be people coming to the hobby and saying, "Oh, I can't wait to get the last three years of rookie cards." They're they're going to want to be getting Bedard. And uh, I mean, I remember you know. I remember when 15, 16 dropped and everyone's like, well, what, like, I'm not going to get a McDavid in every box. So what else am I looking for? And at the time, okay, now it's developed into, okay, Ranthanen's not bad. Panarin's not bad. Linus Allmark's not bad. But at the time it was like, well, maybe you'll end up with a, uh, a Dylan Larkin. And it was so far down um, that it was barely a, a consolation prize if, if you didn't get the McDavid. Um, I'm gonna be very curious to see what happens with that because, assuming everyone goes all in on on Connor on Connor Bedard, like they have to acquire money from like from somewhere. So I mean, uh, will the prices of everything else drop? An internal reorganization of funds of and funds, right? Like plotting. because realistically, everyone's on an even playing field when that when that product drops, right? Right. And that it's very seldom does shit like this happen. Mm. Assuming that he becomes what everyone thinks he's going to be. I mean, there's a there's a Luca esque moment that's about to happen in in hockey. 
right? Where like right. Luca was like the universal, like, you know, everyone was was proclaiming goat. Um, and I guess Zion to a certain extent, right? Yep. And I mean, Zion. neither of those guys have won cups or, or won chips since or It'd be but, amazing. I mean, Still, still very young, right? Whatever. But, I mean, everyone was on e- even playing field there, right? Like, so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with, with hockey. I mean, do people who have legit stuff, do they sell that to go after Bedard? I don't know. Yeah, we could we could potentially see that. Or, I mean, a lot of people sitting on really nice stuff, they'll, they'll just be doing it anyway. And you'll see every aspect new collectors, old school veteran collectors. Like what does everybody have in their mind right now? They want to get a case of this product. They really do. Uh, I think it's, I mean, even, even if you're being intelligent and saying to yourself, I'm just going to go out and do what that guy at the expo in 2015 did and wear a sign around my, my neck that says I'll pay you $200 for a McDavid and not bother with all that. Um, there's, I think that's going to be a really rare case. People are still going to want to go for it. They're still going to want to rip and try to get in exclusives or a high gloss or the one of one. Uh, I think that that kind of guarantees it. That's why I predict doing that. And, uh, and, and, uh, but, but that can but be who's to say those thing. prices don't drop, right? Like how do yeah. you, how are those the baseline? They very seldom are day one prices. Like, like not the most expensive price it's ever going to be, man. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. if you look back, it yeah. it's hard to get them to come back to where they were, man. Like, do you remember what Kaprasov was going for? Do you remember what Laffy was going for? I mean, like, the Laffy one stands out quite a bit. It, sure. Laffy was $500, man. Yeah. Those numbers were really wild. Yeah. And then you had to stop and wonder, is that going to like teach people a lesson? Are they going to get something out of this experience or not? You know, I don't know. Tough to say, but at the end of the day, people are going to be excited about it. It will, it will lead to new entrants in the hobby. They are going to want to check it out. They are going to be ripping product. If they enjoy ripping that product, they might go back and rip older product or newer upper deck product. Something's got to give because lately coach Co, there's just too much of this stuff. It's rapid fire. It's trilogy. It's ice. It's platinum. It, that's a lot to deal with. And you're also looking for rookie cards that are like two years old uh, instead of the, and then if you're not looking for rookies that are two years old in trilogy, some of these autographs you're pulling, who are these guys? Let's be honest. I'm not trying to be negative for the sake of being negative. Who are these guys? Who are these guys that played five games and you put them in, they were late to the season and you toss them in there. It's, it's a thing. I think thing now is happening. the time more than ever to be very, very, very like blinders. Like, what do I like? What do I want to collect? Yeah. What am I comfortable? What's the number? What's the like maybe the the dollar value of cards I'm willing to hold? Like all these things are things that you should be thinking about right now. Yeah. Everyone, and maybe not just right now, but like on a every six at biannual basis, where <laughs> you're like, Check okay, yourself. what? Yeah, like what do I? How much do I spend a month on cards? How much do I want to spend a month on cards? How much? How much do I want to have in terms of inventory dollar value? You know, like. Because especially when like these companies just throw stuff at us because they're like, oh, shiny thing, shiny thing, shiny thing, shiny thing. You know what I mean? Like that's what they want. They want you to feel dazed and confused. They want you to be like, oh, do I like that or do I not like that? Like right. they want you to, to to have these questions in your head because there's, I mean, there's an opportunity where you're going to spend money, right? So 
just try to have blinders on right now. That's not to say that don't buy a product. It's to say that like, you know what you like, like, you know what you like. You're a collector. You've been a collector for how long, right? Like whether it's a week, a month, a year, a day, you kind of know what you like. You know what drew you into the hobby in the first place. You knew what, you know, and then take, take social media aside, take the like notoriety of the card aside, yeah. right? Like, you know, don't buy something just because it's Prism and everyone else likes Prism. But like, if you like a design, if you like the photo, the photography on the card, if you like the parallel, if you like Gold Wave over just a standard gold, I mean, in my opinion, you're getting a discount. Especially if I'm saying you yeah, like that. If you like that, you're getting a significant discount considering they're both numbered to 50. And I mean, it's most sets, but not all. Um, They're both numbered, the exact same number. And, you know, you, you like one better anyway. So who the hell cares? There you go. Yeah. Maybe we will maybe we will enter into an era of more personalization. And again, it's a bit of a cliche at this point, but yes, it is becoming a collector's market. Um maneuver yourself in that collector's market intelligently and try to try to uh use that to your advantage because you can't just snap a finger and make someone a collector, right? It does have to come from within. There has to be a passion within. If you're one of those lucky people that are truly collectors, there's a lot of good stuff going on in the hobby right now that you can just kind of choose to focus on to enhance your collection, to enhance your experience. That's kind of the bottom line. I agree 100%, man. Team, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Cardboard Coaches. As always, please feel free to like, subscribe, comment, share, hit the damn notification bell, whether you're on Spotify or YouTube. I want you guys to have a wonderful rest of the day. Cardboard coaches are out of here. Peace.